Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. We'll continue this evening with our discussion of the Paramatma Sandarbha. We're nearing the end of uh, Srila Jiva Goswami's discussion of the intrinsic uh, characteristics of the Jiva. From here, we will go on into his uh, extensive discussion of the uh, Lord's external energy, the material manifestation, Bahiranga Shakti. So both these Shaktis are energies of the Paramatma aspect of the Supreme. Um, in the last class, uh, we discussed uh, the fact that the our true self is very atomic, very small, indistinguishable as far as material measurement like a like a point that has just there's no measurement to it no east no west extremely infinitesimal as opposed to uh, as used in the Anucheta comparison with the with the whole of material existence all the energies that constitute the material energy that's the Mahat called the Mahatattva, or the truth regarding the, the, the reality of all uh, material manifestation. And then the, the, on the other end of the scale, in size-wise, size is the dimension of an individual jiva, which is our self, one conscious particle of the Lord's energy. So that particular characteristic is 15th and Jiva Goswami dealt with this small size, the atomic size of the Jiva in two Anuchetas. So we'll continue tonight with the uh, 35th Anucheta. And in this Anucheta, in this section, Jiva Goswami is going to deal with four four characteristics. The fact that the jiva is eternal. There's never a time when I did not exist, nor you, nor all these beings, nor in the future will there ever come a time when we don't exist. So Krishna explains this to Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. So you don't have to worry about going anywhere. You've always been here and you will always be here. Hopefully not in the material energy, hopefully we can change that in due course of time. But material energy or not, if we are Krishna conscious, there really will be no distinction if we're fully Krishna conscious. We have no trouble being Krishna conscious from time to time. The problem is the duration of the time <laughs> is not <laughs> is is difficult to maintain. Uh, my spiritual master said you can be become Krishna conscious in an instant. But what's going to happen the next instant is our question. <laughs> from instant to instant, if we can remain Krishna conscious. If you look at it from the Buddhist viewpoint, those little uh, you know frames of so if you could just be conscious of your of your uh, of your service to the supreme, of your loving relationship with Krishna all the time, then then you've won. <laughs> you've conquered over. The external energy, which is simply here 
to make us Krishna conscious. If we look at it that way, then there's really no war. Although it appears like a war from time to time. So four items in this one anachata this evening. The eternal nature of our being. We are eternal. We are unblemished, even though we are situated in the external energy and sometimes it appears to get the better of us. Um, it really doesn't. It's simply that we, well, we accept that which is not ourself as ourself. So we have, it's called false ego. We put a false imposition on our existence relative to the environment that we're in. So within the material world, we, although unblemished, although pure, although completely pure and unblemished, still we relate with the energy around us and it's, it's a very enticing energy, the Lord's external energy. He's a master uh, magician could say. He can really bewilder us into thinking uh, thinking through his energy that we're something that we are not. Also in this Anacheta we'll deal with the fact that we are endowed with knowership. We do have the capacity of knowing our existence and we're endowed with agency. So to remember that these these two endowments, that we have knowership, that we have agency, and we're endowed with experiential capacity, which we'll go hopefully into in the next Anocheta if we make it there this evening. So these three characteristics were specific characteristics that Jiva Goswami wanted to add from the writing of Jamatri Muni, that we're endowed with knowership, agency, we can know, we can act, and we can experience. Interesting. Thinking, feeling, and willing. These three capacities. And they're intrinsic. And this is an important aspect of what Jiva's trying to convey to us in this whole section of the Paramatma Sandarbha is what we really are and the fact that a spiritual understanding which doesn't entail our individuality is an incomplete understanding. So remember this whole section of the of the Sandarbhas deals with one verse from the Bhagavatam Vedanti Tat Tatva Vidas Tatvam Yajnamadvayam Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavan Iti Subjate. So the aspect of the Supreme, the the Brahman aspect of the Supreme is the Supreme with out seeing his characteristics, stripped of his of his qualities, stripped of his energies, 
just as supreme as that supreme Brahman. That's an incomplete apprehension of the nature of the supreme. And we see throughout the Sandarbhas, Jiva is trying to bring us to the more complete understanding of the Supreme and of ourself in relationship to the Supreme. Because there is a class of transcendentalists that feel that to be freed from the material energy which does give us trouble, it is a, is, it is a, a false ego, so if you can rid yourself of the fact that we associate with the bodily form that we're in, the material situation we're in, whether we're happy or sad, rich or poor, male or female, dog or Brahmin, I mean, so many situations are there for the souls. Of course, in the animal form, there's not yet enough intelligence to perceive. However, in the Bhagavatam, we see instances where even from the animal form of life, one will be given remembrance due to a circumstance of, of their higher intelligence, of their spiritual being, like, like Gajendra. He was in the body of an elephant and he got into a bad situation where he was being attacked by a crocodile in the water. The crocodile is very comfortable in the water and the elephant was, you know, is not. The elephant is more comfortable on the land. So they were, they were struggling. The crocodile thought he had, would have a, a huge meal for him and well, I imagine he could set some aside for for, <laughs> each, for many meals to come if he could overcome an elephant. So he might have been thinking like that. A, or he might have been thinking, what are you doing in my area? This is my pond or my lake, my river. And so there was a struggle. And it, it lasted, from what the Bhagavatam tells us, it was on the heavenly planets. And it lasted for a very, very long time. What is it, a hundred years or something? But over this period of time, Gajendra is is saying, "What what's what has gone on here? I'm the I'm the biggest, and I'm just being defeated here. I can't overcome this being this attack." And he gradually, he was in such a, a such a difficult situation that he started to remember prayers to the Supreme Lord that he had recited in, in, in a past lifetime in a human birth. And these came back to him and he started to appeal to the Supreme, can you get me out of this mess? Can you please save me? And Krishna speaks of this in the Bhagavad Gita that there's four situations where people can will call out to the Supreme. They're, they're a, natural, a natural consequence of the material energy where those that are in distress, those that are in need of money, those that... Uh, Seeking knowledge. Yeah, that's the gyani. That's the most fortunate. They naturally seek out 
the supreme in those situations. Distressfulness is one. What does that say? There are no atheists in a foxhole. So even in the midst of war, somebody that doesn't believe in God, when push comes to shove, it's like, can you help me out here? So this is the situation. What Jeeva is trying to give to us here is that the the topmost conception of our true self and the topmost conception of spirituality is not where we give up these intrinsic qualities. These stay with us, even if you're a Brahmavadi. These 21 characteristics as to your nature are not going away. You can relate with the Supreme. You can relieve yourself of, of, of material affinity through, through knowledge and detachment, but you will always be a Jivatma. You will always have these characteristics that are given in this section of, well, throughout the Bhagavatam, he's drawn out certain verses to exemplify these 21 characteristics. So the three we're covering this evening, the jiva is eternal, unblemished, and endowed with knowership and agency. So the Anucheta reads as follows, the jiva is eternal, Nitya, and unblemished, Nirmala, because it is intrinsically pure by nature, as demonstrated already from the Srimad Bhagavatam. The pure knower of the presentational field merely witnesses these beginningless modifications of the impure actor, the mind. That's from the fifth canto. Remember, in, in the Sandarbhas, Jiva Goswami uses Bhagavatam's verses as sutras, then he elaborates on them and he supports his elaboration or his explanation. So his, his explanation of this verse from the Bhagavatam, which was also used in the second Anucheta of, of the Paramatma, Sandarbha. Moreover, by the very same statement, it is further shown that the capacity to know, Jnatritva, quality number 18, also belongs even to the pure Atma, by virtue of its being a knower of the presentational field. And this cognitive capacity, being a natural attribute of the eternal self, is also eternal, and thus does not undergo modifications. So we're always going to have the capacity, no matter what our situation, to be aware of what's well, what's going on around us, to some capacity or another. The extent of that awareness, well, there are some bodies that don't give us a lot of ability to exercise our awareness. But there's some awareness, even in a tree body or a plant, if we would be so unfortunate as to, as to take a body like a tree or a plant 
some lower living entity, there's still awareness. The tree is aware. Just watch it. You know, if if it's amongst other trees, there'll be a competition for the sunlight. It may have to grow in a certain way to to get the sunlight. Well, it has. It is aware that this that that energy is there, and it's aware to change the way it even grows its body. So there is that awareness, that cognition is always there. Because the body is seen to have agency, kartritva, quality number 19, as a result of its relation to the individual conscious being, and because inert objects are also knowledgeable as sometimes exhibiting, I'm sorry, acknowledged as sometimes exhibiting agency due to the presence of the indwelling supreme consciousness in in accordance with the statement without whom nothing is accomplished. Only from the individual or from the supreme consciousness. Thus it is said, and now he quotes from the sixth canto, being infused with whose conscious portion the body senses, vital force, mind, and intellect perform their respective functions. When this agency becomes, I'm sorry, when this agency comes about primarily due to the adjuncts, upadis, it is said to be an attribute of the adjuncts. As is stated, the cause of agency in the body and senses is known to be prakriti. When, however, agency comes about predominantly due to paramatma, it is free from those adjuncts, meaning that it is transcendental, as Bhagavan Krishna said, another verse from the Bhagavatam, an unattached agent is sattvika, one binded by attachment in rajik, is rajika, and one whose discrimination has been altogether lost is tamasika. But the agent who works under my shelter is free from the material gunas. And Jiva concludes here, the meaning is clear. So, this concept of the our agency, our ability to con, to 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 perform acts. When in contact with the material energy, the utilization of that agency comes about in such a way that, generally speaking, it appears that the agency is the energy of the Lord, the external energy, and we're simply being forced into circumstance. On Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna brought this to Krishna's attention. He said, it appears at times that I'm forced to do things I don't really want to do. Why is that? And Krishna explains to this, this to him, this material energy of mine 
consisting of the external energy, earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego. All this is inert. That's some kind, some, something, sometimes hard for us to wrap around. I can get the fact that earth, water, fire, air, those things are inert. They're, they're just material elements. But, you know, mind, intelligence, false ego, they seem to have a mind of their own, so to speak. And that's what Arjuna is saying to Krishna. He's saying, why is this? that I'm, It seems I'm forced to act. And Krishna says, well, these are my external energies. Yes, especially the mind of all of them, of all these inert objects. The mind is the most difficult to uh, overcome. But with constant practice and detachment, even the mind you will see as inert when you can truly see yourself. And especially if you can see yourself in relationship to me, that I have a relationship to you and you have a relationship, and that relationship is spiritual. If you can, if you can maintain that turning, turn of consciousness to me, then the mind can be overcome even though here you are a great warrior and you're overcome by lamentation because you don't want to engage in this battle which you're seeing only the the material side of. I'm telling you there's a spiritual side to this battle. It's the establishment of my dharma. I want to create correct society it's gone adrift there's the man at the the men at the top <laughs> are not acting morally they're not being truthful they're not being honest they're simply out to exploit the citizens for their own sense gratification without giving anything in return. They just want the money. They don't want to build the roads. They don't want to maintain, you know, uh, the bridges. They don't want to maintain the health of the citizens. They don't want to make sure that the food the citizens are allowed to purchase is pure and clean. They, they're, well, actually... <laughs> but I'm speaking in terms of today, really, in the terms of the time 5,000 years ago when we would, we would beg for a leader like a Dhritarashtra or a Duryodhana in comparison with what we're subjected to now. Even they would look like saints amongst men. But at that time, they didn't look as saints among men in comparison with men like the Pandavas, who truly had no self-motivation. In They simply were selfless servants of humanity at large. Why? Because their consciousness was turned to the Supreme in such a way that they saw everyone as 
as part of Krishna. How can you neglect any part? It's not possible. So it was not possible for them to be neglectful of the citizens, whereas Dhritarashtra, he had some self-motivation there. But again, time, place, and circumstance. Give us a Dhritarashtra today, we would be a happy society, <laughs> comparatively speaking. Give us a, a, a Yudhisthir and, oh my gosh, the, the planet would just, would change. The whole planet would change. Imagine that level of spirituality, of spiritual consciousness in the leadership of a society. And we, it's, from our perspective, it's incomprehensible what somebody like that would do. Somebody who, who, as Arjuna displayed, when a, when, when, a, when a member of the society kept having children and the children would die right after childbirth, Ar, Arjuna was like, and the, and the citizens, the husband is complaining. It's like going to the, he's go, going to the king and saying, what kind of society are you running here? You know, I'm impregnating my wife and she's bearing a child, and as soon as the child is born, the child is dying. This is because of your leadership. <laughs> and Arjuna took it on and said, it must be because of our leadership. I will be here, and I guarantee you, your next child will survive. And if he doesn't? What did he say? He said he What a level of morality. Anyway, it's an interesting story, and it was just a ploy to, you know, God wanted to see God in this instance, so he stole the children. The Lord has various manifestations, and even for, even for some of the Lord's manifestations, to be able to see the Supreme Lord in this Leela form, which is his most intimate and his original form, is a rare thing. Karna Dakshai Vishnu stole those children every time, knowing that he could make an arrangement to be able to see Krishna and Arjuna personally. The citizen got all of his children back. <laughs> So these are special circumstances. So the meaning is clear. This agency, this agency is so hard to understand for us because it seems that we're controlled. We're not the controller. That although we have agency, we can't even exert our agency over our own mind and senses because of the environment, because of the material body, because it's, it's like, so in scripture, it sometimes speaks of this agency as being prakriti. We notice sometimes the agency of action is only referred to as the prakriti or the external energy of the supreme. And it's some of the statements of scripture 
lead us to that conclusion that well yeah it's a fact when you when you in the lord's external energy is so powerful that it can bewilder your mind and senses like arjuna on the battlefield but if you can have some extraordinary good fortune, Yadrichaya, you can learn about these things and you can gradually gain mastery over the mind and senses. And the easiest method is the practice of bhakti. But you can also try other, there are other methods available to humanity. You can engage in yoga control the mind and senses. You can engage just in the acquisition of knowledge. But yoga and knowledge and niskarm karma yoga, meaning engaging in the acts of, of, of dharma or the acts of karma uh, without an attachment to the result of those acts. In other words, to do things under under the most ideal of circumstance. If you're going to, whatever you engage with in life, you do it in a detached manner. Go ahead, do whatever you want to do, whatever your natural inclination is, both occupationally and, um, what do we want to say? through the occupation that, that you want and through the, the order of life that you want, how you want to live life, either as a single man or as a married man or woman, like that. Uh, so these different stages of, of spiritual growth, brahmachari, gridhastra, vadaprastha, sannyas, and uh, whatever your occupation is, brahmana, kshatriya, vaisha, sudra, that's okay, but do those things without attachment to the result. So all these things will give us that ability to to not be swept away by the environment and what is referred to in Scripture as prakriti, that we take the agency back under our control and not live at the whims of of the agency of the external energy which we become so accustomed to. So when this agency comes about primarily due to the adjuncts, upadis, what's an adjunct? It's when we, when you put a clear crystal next to a rose, it'll take on the color of that rose. It'll appear that it's colored. So similarly, we're like a chameleon in relationship with the material energy. Put us in an environment long enough and we will become like though that environment, that association. Put yourself in a bar night in and night out, drinking, and and have you know eventually you will become you know an alcoholic you know mode of ignorance person put yourself 
in, in Harvard and go to the classes every day with intellectuals, big thinkers that are only thinking, of, thinking about serious subject matters regarding existence or regarding the scientists or regarding the, you know, whatever the, the realm of intellectualism that's there that attracts you and you will become like those people. We're, wherever you put us, we, we're very adaptable. We, we, we gradually fit right into our environment. So that's why it's speaking here. It seems like the agency is the environment. But there is, a, there is also a circumstance where we can see our true agency, but we need to, we need to take hold of the reins. There's a picture in the Bhagavad Gita, the first Bhagavad Gita, where it showed, you know, the the living entity taking charge of of the mind and the senses. It's not an easy task. So we'll go through a little of this commentary. It's well written here. The pure jiva is intrinsically endowed with cognitive power, capacity, Jnatritva, an agency, Kartritva. He is the witness of the actions of the mind and body and thus has the capacity to know. It is not that knowership is acquired only when the jiva is bound by the material body. Cognitive awareness is a natural characteristic of the jiva. Since a jiva is eternal, its cognitive awareness is also eternal by the principle Nityam Gatam Nityam, the attributes of an eternal object are also eternal. Like knowership, agency is also an eternal attribute of the jiva. The material body does not have independent agency. The body is inert and acquires its awareness and capacity to act from the conscious self. When it is said that the body is the agent of actions, it is meant only in the secondary sense. Again, relationship with the body and our perception of agency. Let's take a very uh, pronounced example and look at a somebody like a Helen Keller. So you could say that the body controlled her circumstance until it didn't. In the beginning, the agency was so um, oppressive to her being that what was what was her nature? She simply lashed out. She couldn't do anything, and she, be, she was furious about it. But gradually, she, in good association with a good teacher, she became the master, and she could accomplish things that the physical aspects of her being, in the beginning, a, appeared to be 
impossibilities. But gradually, step by step, all of the material impediments gradually dissipated in her existence. So she could act like any one of us who didn't have, what was she, uh, deaf, dumb, and blind? So, but gradually, those no longer became impediments. So that's kind of gives us an idea of what's spoken about and why scripture sometimes refers to the Prakriti being the agent. But really, Prakriti is inert. It does not have any capacity without consciousness. We bring Prakriti into agency. Take us out of the out of the equation. The body has no agency over anything. It's just a, a just remove the remove the conscious entity from a body, any body, and what happens? All that all that we attribute to the body as agency is dissipated. It's just a, a pile of. Of, of matter again to keep that kind of a perspective and even the mind we give the mind agency turn the mind off and the agency's gone imagine the capacity well it's easy you can go to sleep and that turns it off turns off a certain aspect go into deep sleep or you could take some drugs and turn it off, change its perspective. It's a matter of transcendental awareness. What actually is our true nature? And who's going to be in charge here? Am I going to let my mind and senses be in charge? Because if I am, then I should see the natural consequence of that. As I relinquish control to the mind and senses, then I'm subjected to the reactions that come as an automatic recourse of those actions that they perform. But if, if I don't allow the mind and senses to exert that control over me, then how glorious is that? How controlled is that? It's an impossible situation, though, to control the mind and senses, especially in this age, unless we can give over the easy route of bhakti. The other, the other methodologies that allow us that control in other periods of time, in other societal environments, don't really, they're not a, there's nothing in the current culture or the current environment that we're in that would give us that capacity, we'd have to really, really struggle to engage in a regiment of serious astanga yoga. It'd be very difficult, if not impossible. What to speak of gyan, to, to really have the facility of the gyanis 
In prior ages, you didn't even need books. You could hear something once and retain it. Imagine the accumulation of, of, of theoretical and practical knowledge that one would be able to carry with them with such a, with such a fine in, intellect and, uh, and mental capacity. Very difficult now. And as far as, uh, you know, finding a proper course of action as far as Varnashram Dharma, even the devotees, some of them sing from the rooftops, Varnashram Dharma, Varnashram Dharma. But really, if you knew what was involved in following strictly any one of the Varna, Varnas or any one of the ashrams, you, you know, it's we look we look we can read Chaitanya Charitamrita and we re hear of the seriousness of the sannyas of Mahaprabhu and it's you know and we have and we have what we call sannyas today it's markedly different just to see things from this from this spiritual perspective is uh, is so beneficial for us, even if we still are struggling in 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 our capacity as a devotee. Still to know that at the core, well, this is what I am. I'm a spirit soul. Look, I have these 21 characteristics. I'm never going to die. You know, I just watched yesterday a god brother of mine die. You know, now you can now when you die as a devotee, it's like a worldwide event. You know, there's a camera there and it's being broadcast, so you're there, I'm dying. You know, and they're putting drops in your eyes to to relieve that, and and you're there and here in the middle of a kirtan for hours, and it's recorded. You're there, and you can see every every half a minute. You know, this god brother of ours is, you know just for hours but at least he's in the middle of a kirtan and it was a glorious death but now it's a it's a broadcast thing you know except for me don't bring any cameras please i don't want any cameras in the room you know (laughs) but so this request i make of my sangha here please but in one respect, that's it's a very uh, it, it's a it's a quite a sacrifice to to allow such a thing and and to let people see a glorious death like that and how the devotees the the hearts of the devotees pour out. So agency agency in relationship to a body either we're going to give agency up or we're going to take it back and. What Jeeva is doing is he's just introducing us to the concepts here and how the scriptures present it in both ways and giving us this knowledge allows us to develop the discrimination to view it either one way or the other. So it goes on to knowership in the commentary here. Like Knowership, cognitive awareness. Agency is also an external attribute of the jiva. 
the body does not have an independent agency. The body is inert and acquires its awareness and capacity to act from the conscious self. When it is said that the body is the agent of actions, it is meant only in a secondary sense. So we should just to keep that in mind. It's uh, in Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavan Sri Krishna affirms that a person deluded by the separate self-sense, ahankar, false ego, thinks himself to be the doer, although all actions are affected by the gunas of prakriti. But even in this statement, it should also be noted that if the jiva did not have agency as part of its intrinsic nature, he could not be able to think of himself as the doer. So even in the most abs, even, you know, thinking, feeling, willing, doing, uh, even if you want to say it, I'm forced by nature, well, is it nurture or nature? But, you know, uh, even that in itself is an, is an, is a, is a utilization of your agency. He would not be able to think of himself as the doer. Thinking is also an action. And so by saying he thinks himself to be the doer, Krishna implies that the pure self has agency. So we'll take off from there in the next class. And I want to continue with this commentary because these particular intrinsic qualities uh, really to, to, to dive deeply into these understandings is uh, certainly beneficial to us.